That night, meaning the night that Jesus was born, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all the people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. You will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in the manger. Shout amen. Amen. Please be seated. Lord, we ask that you would take broken flesh that I am, which you know so well, and work supernaturally Speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Uh, this week on Wednesday is my birthday. Hey, yeah. That has absolutely nothing to do with the message, but I just thought I'd throw it out. <laughs> Actually, it does. And I'm going to be 53 years old, Lord willing, on Wednesday. And the older you get, the more, at least it should be, the more contemplative you become. You, you just, you think about things differently. And I've been thinking about this message for several months uh, going into uh, Christmas and going into uh, my birthday. And part of my hope for this message is that what we've been practicing through Be Rich, we will extend it through this season that we call Christmas. Now, so, and the s- second thing that I'm hoping is that I can convince you to borrow a line from this movie to look at Christmas through new eyes. Can you shout new eyes? New eyes, new eyes. eyes. It's kind of what happens when you're contemplative. You kind of look at things you do all the time, but you reach a certain age, you started kind of thinking about it. You look at it differently. And... Let me just make a couple of points here real quickly. I'm backing into this Luke text. The first point I want to make is the exact same point I made last year at this time because it's so, it's obvious, but it's often overlooked. And that is that Christmas is the only Christian holy day, everybody shout holy day, that is at the same time a national holiday. What that means is that at the same time, there are two Christmas experiences taking place in our communities, in our world, at the same time. One is the sacred experience that is centered around the birth of Jesus and how the birth of Jesus has radically changed the world and how it ultimately would radically change our lives if we, in fact, would Believe and, and, and that knowledge and that new way of living, how that, in fact, um, renews our soul, 
renews our soul. Everybody shout soul. The other is a civic Christmas because it's a national holiday. And so we are a country, we're a pluralistic country in our religion, in our faith. And so it is uh, is the kind of holiday that everybody can participate in, What if they have faith, if they don't. And it's driven by the themes, and we know them very, very well, right? It's driven by themes of lights and Christmas trees and uh, packed stores and packed agendas and and, and, and office parties, right, and trying to figure out how to avoid uh, that somebody's fruitcake that, you know, just got too much whiskey in it. I mean, you don't understand. <laughs> uh, it's fast-paced, right? It's, it, it, it gets a bit stressful. I mean, it's, from, it's, 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 it's a sprint, if you will, from, from Black Friday to to uh, uh, Cyber Monday, all the way to Christmas Eve. It's a solid sprint, sprint, sprint. Secular, civic Christmas, as, and it is a good thing. I'm not suggesting it's not. Uh, it's, it has all kind of feelings attached to it. Uh, yes, it should be joyful and loving, that's what it promotes. But for many of us, there's a lot of guilt attached to it. We're thinking about, well, you know, I didn't spend a lot of time with kids or family, so let me make it up through the gifts I give them. It, has, it induces feelings of inadequacy for a lot of people. You know, if you don't have a job, if you lost your job, if you're physically unable uh, to do some of this stuff, or if you just had your house burned down in the North Bay, you know, and you're unable to purchase the gifts that the people around you are purchasing, kind of, you can feel inadequate, not good enough. I, I just want to suggest that when we're thinking of it like that, we're feeling like that, we've missed the point of sacred Christmas. We might be all in the middle of civic, civic Christmas, but this is not what sacred Christmas is about, not how many gifts you buy. Um, there's feelings of dread that's often attached to Christmas. Now, you know these feelings. Oh, my gosh, let me get dressed. I got to go to this holiday party. <laughs> Shout dread. Dread. You know, you know dread. It's, it's, it's like, uh, you know, when, when some of us think of, of Christmas, we're thinking about all of the cooking I've got to do and all of the shopping I've got to do. For some kids who are drafted into the kitchen, I mean, you know, Christmas is like, oh my goodness, slavery all over again, right? <laughs> Shout dread. Um, this is connected to civic Christmas, right? Because, because in that context, right, if I'm really focused on this meal and it's got to be right, I've missed the point. I've missed the point. They told me they can't hear me when I, so I missed the point. Because yes, I want the food to be good. But at the end of the day, 20 years from now, I'm not going to remember the meal. But I will remember the relationships. I've been contemplative and been thinking about this. Let me get a couple of, and then I'm, on. I'm backing into this Luke text, so stay with me. Um, 
The average American this year, it's projected, will spend $967 roughly, give or take a few, on Christmas. Now, I think that's, that's good. If that's what you want to do, no worries. Unless, can you shout unless? Unless most of the 960-some dollars you're financing on a credit card. Because it's also projected the average person is going to finance a lot of, a large percentage of this will be financed on credit cards and department store cards, and it will take somewhere between five months and 18 months to pay off the debt that you incur at Christmas. Doesn't there seem to be something inconsistent about that? So let me just drop this for you. If you got to go into debt to make sure people have a good Christmas, you've missed the meaning of Christmas. You're all up in the civic Christmas, but you've missed the sacred thing that's built around the birth of Jesus. Now, the reason why I take this up, so, and I'm, I'm trying, I'm backing into this text, is I'm, I'm not just talking to you, I'm talking to me. Because what I've kind of recognized is that we all get seduced by the civic Christmas. We do. And we, we, we just miss it's, it's, I'm just wondering, like, Jesus is like in heaven, like, it's supposed to be about his birthday. And it's like, anybody remember me? Hey. All right, keep that right there. You're thinking, now I want to just, I want to talk about a word here. They're connected. Everybody shout, insignificant. I want to point out that in the middle of the word, in the word insignificant, is the word significant. And I want to suggest that part of what God, I hope, is inviting us to consider as we think differently about Christmas, as we consider breaking some of our normal routines, that's what I want to challenge you to do. Let's break some routines here. Let's do something different, something uncommon, if you will. Uh, part of what I think God wants us to consider is our notion of significant and insignificant. Everybody shout insignificant. I think God wants to suggest, at least Luke suggests, as he teaches us today, that oftentimes, watch this, God will hide, if you will, embed some of the most significant experiences of our lives in that something that we treat as insignificant. The other way of saying it is, be careful what you overlook in pursuit of civic Christmas. All right, let's walk through the text. In Luke chapter 2, here's this interesting stuff. Watch this. Verse 4 and 5, it talks about how uh, the census has caused people from all over to go to Bethlehem, and it talks about Joseph and Mary 
Uh, Joseph is part of the lineage of David, but he's so far removed from that, he has no benefit of that. It says how they leave Nazareth's village where they live, and they go to Bethlehem, and Mary has this child. All right, now check this out. We know that Joseph is a carpenter and that he and Mary are poor. We know this because uh, by the time you get to the end of the chapter, you'll read how when they brought Jesus to be dedicated, they paid uh, the dedication. They offered the dedication experience that poor people offer to pigeons. So it strikes me. It's kind of inconsistent, right? That it just doesn't fit our experience that the Savior of the world would show up among poor people, watch this, who have no money, who have to borrow two, who have to use two pigeons for their offering. Could it be that God is saying, pay more attention to what you've called insignificant? Watch this. They come from Nazareth. Everybody shout Nazareth. It's right there in the text. Nazareth in Galilee. So it's a, a village in Nazareth. I had a friend who visited Nazareth uh, a number of years ago, and he said when he left Nazareth, they got about four or five miles away and looked back. They could look at the, at the village from a distance, at the city now from a distance. And he said, and it looked like a dirty pile of rocks. And, 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 and he said, wow, I get it now. Why Nathaniel, to some degree, would say when he heard that Jesus came from Nazareth, Nathaniel would say, can anything good come out of Nazareth? I mean, Nazareth, y'all, is the ghetto. Nazareth is the hood. I mean, it just doesn't seem to fit our experience that the Messiah of the world, come on now, would be born, come on, would show up, would come out of East Palo Alto. It's just... We, we, we think we think he's got to come from Menlo Park. Right? We, we don't think he's going to live in the projects. Right? So, so civic Christmas drives us in that other direction, right? But, but, but if you know who Jesus is, come on now. Uh, 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 he shows up in the places that the world has deemed insignificant. It's not about the house you live in, is it? It's not about the car you drive, is it? It's not about how big that TV screen will be on your... It's not about how many toys you give your kids. It's not about that. It's about a God who loved us so that he gave up his penthouse in eternity to show up in the projects of humanity. And he came for you. He wants you. He wants your heart. Everybody shout shepherds. Watch the shepherds in the text. Verse 8. Most of us, we think shepherds, we get warm feelings. But not in that context. Shepherds were uneducated. They were, they had no social capital. They were Often outlaws, lots of criminal elements were inside of the shepherd group. Uh, Shepherds were not people you would invite to your house for a Christmas dinner. You just wouldn't do it. 
couldn't trust them. But the angels come to them. They had no money. But the angel came to them. They had no gifts to give. But the angel came to them. They had spotted lives. But the angel came to them. Might it be suggesting that God is saying at Christmas, we ought to pay attention to some stuff we haven't been paying attention to. At Christmas, we ought to pay attention to some people in our families, on our jobs, in our spirit that we have not been paying attention to. Because, you see, inside of the word insignificant is significant. All right, now I got us right where we want it. I'm in this text, verse 8. So I said, I want to suggest to you that you be unusual this Christmas. That you, you, you act differently than what you've historically acted. You think about Christmas differently. So, everybody shout, how? I love how you ask your questions. So, verse 8, here's the first point. Slow down and open up space. Say it with me. Say, slow down. And open up space. All right, here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Verse 8 starts, starts out by saying this. It says, that night, which is the night that Jesus was born, watch it. It says, uh, there were shepherds staying. That's where they lived. Lived, staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flock of sheep. The suggestion of the text is that the visitation came to them at a moment and time when they had slowed down their lives. It was night. There was no high activity during the daytime. The flock was settled. And you can imagine that the shepherds were just kind of sitting around, right? Uh, just connecting with one another, laughing with one another, telling jokes to each other, enjoying communion. I'm sure there's some community among one another. I'm sure there was profanity flying all around. I mean, I mean but they, they're hanging out together. They're connecting. So connect. You know, for them, life had slowed down. And a space had opened up. And the angel shows up in that moment. So I'm suggesting that you be countercultural. Because civic Christmas is about life speeding up. It's about running. So how do I slow life down? Here it is. During the month of December, let's practice saying no. Let's do it now. Come on, I think we should. Let's practice it. Hold on. When I say, when I count to three, I want everybody to yell as loud as you can. No. Okay, here we go. One, two, three. Yeah. Yes. There you go. Beautiful. That's how you open up space. You say no to stuff that you've been doing year after year out of obligation. You say no to some of the parties. Just, you just go to out of obligation. You say no to working long hours during the Christmas season. Uh, you say, you know what, I'll pull back on the bonus, right? 
No, everybody said no. no. <laughs> like, I was tracking with you till you said that. No, no, no. I'm gonna come back to that point in a minute. Um, David Cassidy used to be in the Parchers family. You remember the Parchers family? See him? Yeah. You know he died a few days ago. 67, relatively young. His daughter, a few days ago, tweeted his last words just before he died. Here's what she tweeted that he said. So much time wasted. Can you imagine? His last, literally, words, so much time wasted. His daughter said she was tweeting it because, not to embarrass him or the dog, because in his death he taught her her greatest lesson. She, she's basically saying, I can't afford to confuse the significant with the insignificant. What, she, what she's saying is, a lot of the stuff that I've been pursuing, I've been calling it important. Man, when you really think about it in the span of life, it's just not important. And, and if I'm going to spend my life, I want to spend my life investing it as much as I can on what's important. Which means I've got to slow my life down long enough to begin to think about what's really important. All right, let me tell you something that's important since I have your attention. Nurturing your soul is important. Most of us live lives that we don't think about our soul, think about our bodies, think about our mind, but that inner part of us, our spiritual selves, we allow it to just shrivel up. And whenever we find ourselves in civic stuff, doing stuff out of obligation, doing stuff because we just have to do it, getting caught up in the rat race, that literally drains our souls. But when we align our lives up with who God is and the love that's in God and, and allow ourselves to, to connect with that love and to let that love flow through us, it has a way of renewing our souls. And one way we do it is by spending time with family. Now, I should say here, you might have to be selective about that. Just being real. <laughs> what would happen during the month of December if you just said no to TV once a week? And you would place that time from 6 to 9 o'clock as family time. Maybe it's a Friday night. This is once we just say, we're just going to do it for Christmas. And, 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 and we're going to say no to TV. We're going to turn off the cell phone. And we're going to play games like some of y'all did on, Chris, on Thanksgiving. We're going to play board games. And, and we're going to invite our friends over, people who we really, really love. And we know they love us. And we're just going to, we're just going to, we're just going to connect. Shall connect. Wow. What if you did that for your Christmas? about it. Not because I've guilted you into it, but you literally chose it. In fact, that's what we're going to be doing at Garfield and um, 
and Santee, right? We're opening up space in our lives and we're saying no. Normally we'd be here on Sunday. I'm assuming that's true for you. I'm just assuming it. Uh, normally we'd be here on Sunday morning. But you'd be doing something else on Sunday afternoon. In either case, in either case, we're saying no to what we regularly do so that we can open up space to do something different. And then me and Rhonda and Lauren, we're going to spend some time at, at, at Garfield one of the, in the morning and Santee in the afternoon or vice versa. We're going to end up both and we're going to be serving together. Watch this. And so we We've created space. I've opened up space. I don't have to open up a whole month, just, just two hours in this week or three hours. And what are we going to be doing? We're going to be serving. We're going to be putting together science tips, uh, painting a mural, uh, cleaning up a room. But you know what we're going to be doing? We're going to be making memories together as a family. That's what we're really doing. That's a great way to start the Christmas month off. It's symbolic, I think of what Jesus calls us into. And we open up space for neighbors and strangers, right? Because we don't know those kids. We don't know those teachers. But we're creating space to love on them. And I promise you, when that day is over, while your body may be tired, your soul will be refreshed. Everybody shout, slow down. Say, open up space on your job, in your family. I mean, here's a, here's a couple of great suggestions. Why don't you, what if we really take our lunch break? We take it for real. We don't just work through our lunch break. We, we slow down. We actually, we actually take our lunch break and, and we find a way to reflect and to think and to enjoy. Slow down, open up space. What if you really took your day off? I mean, really took your day off, right? No work, just for the month of December. And, and that opens up space. Now, what are you going to do with that space? Who are you going to connect with? How do you connect with God and connect with people? Or just yourself? The second insight comes from the text as we hasten to its conclusion here. I love verse 9. Here's what verse 9 starts. It says, suddenly, everybody shout suddenly. Suddenly. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, watch this, among them. And the glory of the Lord, uh, uh, the radiance of the glory of the Lord surrounded them. I love this. All right, first of all, in order to get this point, you need to understand that the best translation of this notion of angel of the Lord is, in fact, a messenger of the Lord. The second thing is, when it says he appeared among, usually in plays and on TV, we see the angels hovering. But that's not what the text says. The text says, it's a better way to translate, he appeared with. In other words, the, 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 the shepherds are sitting around, and then they look, and all of a sudden, there's an angel sitting there with, whoa! Where do you come from? You're right here, sitting right here with us. You are among us. You're, you're with us. Shout, with us! 
And then before the whole verse is over, it says, then it says, it says, uh, and, the, and the radiance of God's glory uh, uh, surrounds them. In other words, it's like a big spotlight shines down on them from heaven. And suddenly, those who thought they were invisible became visible. Those who thought they had no value discovered that they were most valued by heaven. Spotlight shining on them. The angel, personal visit sitting right here. Now, what if Christmas, uh, so here's the insight, show up and be present. Say it with me. Show up, be present. So we, we first slowed down and opened up space. Now, wherever you're at, show up. All of you show up. Not the part of you that's on the phone. Come on, you know how we are. Part of us on the phone, the other part is talking. We're also checking out what's going on with the Warriors on the, on the team. You know, uh, uh, we at work, you're working on this project, but you're talking to your senior assistant as well. And you, you know, there's a part of you here and a part of you there. And most of us, we live fractionalized lives. What if for Christmas, all of us would show up? We'd just be present. If you're at work, you just be present. You engage with your, yeah, I, I've got a dinner sitting over here. You engage with your, with your, with your clients and, 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 and you're caring for them and you're listening to them and you're loving on them. Just be present. You see, be with them. When you're with your kids, be with them. Right, so this notion is if I'm fully present, I shine a spotlight on you. Like you've got my full attention. Show up for the Christmas play for your kids. For that moment, for that kid, the spotlight is on him or her. They immediately realize they are loved. They immediately realize you care for them far more than whatever gift you give them. They want you. Be present with your spouse. Be present. Whenever you're present, the spotlight is there. All right, so there's two elements here. One, be there. The other is notice. Pay attention. Everybody shout, pay attention. Notice, 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 notice on your job. Notice the person who you can give to them a listening ear. Notice, notice. Pay attention. So, the angel was there, and they paid attention. And then, the third thing is, and they all, this all works together. I slow down, create space. Then I step into that space. I show up, and I'm present. I've got to work on it. And then, I, I, wherever I enter in, I do so, watch this, with a servant generous heart. Now, as I transition to this point, let me give you this point. And this is why you might decide to let the bonus go and be present. Here's the point. Consider this for this Christmas. Consider reducing the number of presents you buy and increase the amount of your presence 
with. In other words, work on giving people more of you. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. I'll give you a perfect example. The young man told, heard this story the other day. That the young man, he said when he thinks back over his Christmases, his parents bought him all kinds of gifts. He doesn't remember most of them. And you guys, if you go think back, you think about the gifts, probably we don't. I, most of us remember one basic gift, something important, right? Um, for me, I remember the Steve Austin Bionic Man spaceship doll that I got. With the eye, boop, 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 boop. I remember that. I remember that. It was a big deal. But he said, but what stands out in all of his Christmases more than any gift, watch this, was one Christmas. He didn't know what the gift was, but his father had given him a gift. And for 45 minutes, his father was on the floor playing with him. And even though he doesn't know what the thing was, till this day, his heart and his soul is ministered to by the experience of more of his daddy. Are y'all tracking with me? Give more of you. See, when David died, that's what he was thinking. I should have gave more of me. All right. Service, generosity. Basically what I mean is look for opportunities to be kind. Shout kind. Just kind, kind, kind. And, 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 and here's a little play on words, but I really do mean it. And, 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 and in your pursuit of being what I call the Jesus kind. You know, kind of like Jesus. You know, none of us are perfectly like Jesus, but we can kind of be like Jesus. We can kind of pretend like we can practice a little Jesus. I, I want to be part. I just call me the Jesus kind. You know, you know, Jesus is the person you know, who walks out on water, his friends out there dying. He goes out and he rescues them. He just, that's a moment of kindness. There's a person who has leprosy and he says, would you dare heal me? He says, yes, I will. That's a moment of kindness. It's for folk who are starving, 5,000 5, people. The worship service is over. Gathering is over. They can go. But he says, no, here's a moment to be kind. Let's feed them. You see, Jesus is always looking for an opportunity. God who's blind, he gives him sight. Looking for a chance as he passes along. Looking for opportunities to be kind because that's, you see, love, love works through kindness. Look for them. Let me give you three examples and I'm finished. The other day I was in Arizona. Two of my friends, Pastor uh, Tony Williams and Pastor Horace Shepard, they got there. The church has bought me this electronic library, 1,400 books. It's wonderful. So I went to learn how to use it. Went to class for three days. And my buddies went with me. One night, we were in Starbucks just hanging out. And as is the case, you, you with your buddies, you treat. So, uh, notice the word treat. Everybody say treat. Yeah, you treat. How you treat people, right? So, I treated them kindly. I said, the drinks on me. It's a coffee. Get, get what you want. So, they're standing up at Starbucks and they're ordering their various coffees. This is a young woman walks up. She's obviously a single mom. You can see it. You can see the... the the, the frustration, the pain, thank you, uh, uh, the, the exasperation all over her face. 
And she's singing. She said, but these, these guys, we laughing and joking and waiting on that. And you can just see in her, like, oh, I just wish they hurry up and get out of the way so I get my drink and get out of here. So when it came time for the bill, she says, uh, she says well, the, will that be all? I said, no. I said, give me the bill. I'll take care of that. And I'll also take care of whatever this young lady wants. Now, she said, she said, oh, no. Because, you know, the, the average woman, if, if a guy is going to do something kind for her, the assumption is, what do you really want? So I, I said to her, wait a moment. I said, no, 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 no. This is a blessing. I said, look, I'm a preacher. They preachers. We all pastors. We don't want anything. All right. We just want to be generous. This is just your night to be blessed. And I wish you could have saw the smile that popped on her face. I wish you could have saw the light that came into her life. I wish you could see how the load shifted in her. So she got her drink and she went off. It was as though just for a moment she, 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 she was convinced that God knew her name. Just for a moment. From these strangers. And so I got ready to pay. And the lady went over and ordered. She says, well, all three of you ordered three large lattes. And I say, no, ma'am, no, ma'am. We didn't order large. We ordered medium. She says, all three of you ordered three large lattes. I said, no, 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 no. You confused me. We didn't order large. We ordered medium, right? I said, Horace, didn't we order medium? She said, yeah, we ordered medium. She says, sir, you showed kindness to that woman who you didn't know. So tonight, the three of you ordered three large lattes. You see the point? There's almost a thousand of us who worship together every week. If I could just unleash this uncommon attitude about Christmas, if I could just challenge you to break these old routines and stop worrying about how much money you got and how much, and get you to think about people. Being kind. Be generous. Give yourself. As I'm finished here. If you track, if you track this uh, story to the end, the angel sings, "Glory to God in the highest. Peace has come." That, that word "peace" means everything is in right balance. What I'm trying to say is that Christmas, we've allowed Christmas to throw our lives out of balance. And that's not what sacred Christmas is all about. And you get to the end. Watch this. The shepherds go. They say, let's go see this thing. And they went and they found Mary. And they shared with Mary and the crowd. The angels came to us. And the text says everybody was astonished. Like, why would they come to y'all? And, 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 and they were confused because they didn't understand that the Savior, this shall be a sign to you. You will find the Savior, come on now, wrapped in strips of cloths. Look among the strips of cloths and you're going to find the most significant thing in all eternity. Come on now, lying in a manger. You missed it. He came for everything. 
everybody who's overlooked and, and undervalued and, 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 and who needs a savior. And then the text says that they celebrated unlike in Matthew where the three wise men gave gifts of gold, frankincense, and mirth because that's what they had. The shepherds, read the end of the text. They leave praising God and they don't give any because they don't have no gold. They don't have any frankincense. They don't have any myrrh. But you better believe their lives will change. And they went off praising God and they went off telling the story. Come on. And they went off being instrument. They went off being a Jesus kind of people. Give God a hand praise. Hallelujah.